forget all the different places that I have this posted. <laughs> oh, I love it. it. It is always the quick post everything before we go live. And we are live. Welcome, everybody, to the latest season of the Making Awesome Podcast, season three, episode one. We got Neil here. Neil is best known for his 3D modeling skills. And if you don't know his 3D modeling skills, one, what's wrong with you? Two, go look it up. But Neil, I'm going to need the Backstreet Boys from you. Who you are, where you from, what you did, and as long as you love me. Uh, my name's Neil. I'm otherwise known as Neil 3D Prince Online. Uh, I'm based in the UK, actually near Heathrow. I'm just a stone's throw away from the Heathrow airport. Uh, I've been 3D printing and designing now for about six or seven years. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually started off with, I was doing experiments with Raspberry Pi and uh, I got myself interested in an Adafruit project called Pi Girl 2. Okay. And for that, they, um, they recommended 3D printing a case for it. And because of that, it actually led me to buy my first 3D printer, which was a Flash Forge Finder. So I bought that uh, 3D printed, absolutely loved it. But as soon as I got that 3D printer, I just, my life changed. I completely fell in love with the technology and I've been addicted and hooked to it ever since. But um, after getting a flash forge finder and then after 3D printing a number of models that would have been available on Thingiverse at the time, I, I very quickly realized the fun comes from designing your own projects and designing your own models. So it wasn't long before one, I got, the, the Flash Forge Finder was a great printer, a great first printer, but it wasn't long before I needed something better with a heat bed and so on and so forth. Uh, so shortly after that, I got a Prusa MK2S and I started designing my own projects and toys and things like that. And it's all just kind of carried on from there. Kind um, of uh, kind of spiraled, right? <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, it's funny, the, the company I used to work at um, before this company I'm working at now, the company I was working at, it was uh, actually bought, well, it was uh, it merged with another company and I took redundancy, I voluntarily redundancy, but uh, it was a transportation company. But um, they did get interested in 3D printing and they actually asked me for, I think it was like the last couple of years I was there, they asked me to run their 3D printing operation. Oh, and they, nice. uh, it, it was actually quite cool because we were doing outsourced work for Shapeways. Hmm. So the, um, the printer they had was, or the printer we had at Panel Pina was the Polyjet Systems 3510 HD Max. It's an high end 3D printer. Yep. But um, it had a really, really complicated post-processing um, process, but it was a lot of fun. But yeah, um, they asked the company, because they heard about my sort of like passion and with 3D printing, they asked me to run a day-to-day -day operation of that based at Heathrow. And that was a lot of fun. So, oh, okay. So you, you actually spent a lot of time on professional machines as well. So the poly jets and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, it's um, I mean it is it was interesting. So Shapeways, because you know they have a very very 
high margin. Um, it's um, they've got a very very strong sort of like Q and A, you know, quality testing. So because of that, we had to have a very very sort of like strong uh, quality testing, you know, in place. And it would just be like little tiny. I mean, any sort of breakages, you couldn't send the model out. Any sort of like blemishes that didn't look right, you know, you couldn't send the model out. It was the post process in. Um, the whole process was fascinating. So the Polyjet printer, uh, the way it worked was it had this roller, and not roller. It was more like a jet. It's a head with like, yeah, a few hundred nozzles on it. Yeah, so it had five hundred and twelve jets, pinhole jets on there, and what it would do is it would shoot out this resin, and then there'll be a scraper that would take out any excess resin. But it also they would shoot out this wax material as well. So by the end of it, you had all of these models that's completely covered with wax. Yep. So the way to get rid of it, uh, what you had to do, you had to put the print head into a freezer. So that way that all the parts loosened up from the actual print bed. Uh, once that happened, you then had to put all the models in an oven and melt the wax. Following, and you had to do that for a minimum of two hours. Then you had to put all the models in is a sonic oil bath, and that actually removed any access wax that was on there. Then you had to put it in a normal water bath, and then, you know, again, any microscopic sort of like wax particles or anything like that, that would actually help remove that. After that, you then had to rinse them off in water, and then you had to put them in a dehydrator for a number of hours to actually dry off all the models. Yep. It was, yeah, it took about six hours on taking one model out of the printer to actually getting it ready to send out it was just it was very it, it, there was a lot involved so. yeah those that have only used fdm and even resin mm -hmm. do not know how complicated some of the the higher end techs are we have an object mm -hmm. 30 which is a uh, it's a polyjet machine but it doesn't have mm -hmm. the wax head it has a support oh. head but it is mm -hmm. a soluble support um See, and to remove that, it well okay right you would think that but mm. to remove it you use a pressure washer oh wow okay yeah so you have you have a sealed aquarium basically with gloves and then there's mm -hmm. a pressure washer in the table below you you turn it on and it just pumps high pressure water and you're basically shooting it off except obviously there's the problem of Oh, yeah, if your parts are really, really fine, you're going to have a bad time because that pressure washer is yeah. going to blow it apart. You can use water, but it will take mm -hmm. weeks. So they actually tell ah. you to mix lye or um, caustic soda in with mm -hmm. the water, which if you've ever put your hands in water with lye in it, it basically melts your skin slowly, but it, it melts your skin. Um, or is it like an acid sort of thing? It's it's ba it, it's basic. It's incredibly basic. Um, so it, it's the other end of the spectrum. Uh, and okay. it is nasty stuff. Um, it works great. Mm -hmm. But you have this problem of, oh, yeah, everything's covered in a caustic solution that you now have to rinse off and clean. And now all of that water is contaminated. What's so, the disposal required for that chemical you, okay. you have to have a chemical because you can wash some lye down the drain municipal water is generally able to handle some but mm -hmm. at the concentrations that you deal with on the polyjet machines 
it can melt your pipes. Okay. <laughs> so you don't pour it down the drain. <laughs> So you can't just flush it down the toilet bin and hope for the best. No, yeah, uh, 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 resin is toxic, but also caustic soda is caustic. Uh, but um, yeah, we we also do uh, full color sandstone, so that's the um, oh, wow. gypsum powder material, mm-hmm. and that is just as rough. Except the parts are green; they need to be infiltrated with a further binding solution. So when you take mm-hmm. them out, you're basically digging for dinosaur bones because the parts are really, really delicate. And wow. uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, so it's always it's completely covered in nail powder, isn't it? Yeah, uh huh. Which yeah, is good, um, because hmm. there's no support material, right? That just yeah comes out. But man, parts are delicate. Um, the amount of parts I've broken over the years are just innumerable. But it, you know, the hmm. the, the high end tech is fun, but it makes hmm. you appreciate how amazing the consumer and prosumer stuff has gotten, yeah. and you have basically turned into a Prusa fanboy since you got your Mark II, haven't you? <laughs> I mean, I, I am not ashamed to admit I'm a Prusa fanboy. And the thing is, is uh, yeah, they do just make absolutely great 3D printers. But it, it's not just a 3D printer. It's the firmware, it's the software, you know, all the parts involved. It's the help materials. It's, you know... Uh, it's the package. Their, yeah, it's their support. It's... I mean, one of the things I think, you know, I consider is, you know, uh, what if I actually became a hobbyist now compared to like seven years ago? And now the resources, the resources available is just absolutely through the roof. I mean, it really I, I is. Yeah, it's like you go back seven years, you know, there, there was like, say, like a few hundred models that was on Thingiverse. Thingiverse used to work really, really well, <laughs> you know. It, you compare it to how it is now, it's just a whole other thing. But, yeah, the, the Prusa machines are absolutely fantastic. But it's not to suggest I've only had real experience with Prusa machines. I'm, I've used Cubov, um, Flashforge, uh, GTEC, Creality, uh, MakerBot. You know, I've used many, many different types of 3D printing brands. And I have found that the best one is Prusa. You know, their support is absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, you can go on for days about praising them as such. Yeah, they're, they're not winning any speed races. And honestly, mm-hmm. they're not trying to. What they're going to win is the consistency, the mm-hmm. you, just the fact that you plug it in, you click go, and it works, mm-hmm. right? That, that to me, is where Prusa wins over other companies. Um, yeah. And, you know, this was before I had any relationship with the company. Now... You've actually worked professionally with Prusa. I never have. Uh, so that that is pretty cool to say, you know, you did the uh, the Prusa Mini Mate and the Prusa Mate, as well as the actual mods. And I can see the 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 full size Prusa uh, Mate yeah. behind you, which is just so damn cool. So damn cool. Well, um, the, the first Prusa Mate, the reason that started out. So um, uh, when I was with my old company, Panel Pina, um, it merged with another one and I was made redundant, uh, voluntary redundancy. Right. And, but the deal was I had to stay on for another four months working there because uh, I was doing accounts there as well. So I just had to try and help close all the books and everything. And so th- there was a deal that was made. I'll get an extra bonus on top of the redundancy package and so on and so forth. So I've stayed there till the end, but I left, I think it was... 
February a couple of years. It was a February a couple of years back. So what happened was I've left there and I've made a decision for myself. I'm gonna mess around for a couple of weeks and then I'm gonna start looking for work professionally. So I messed around for a couple of weeks, enjoyed unemployment, and I found myself suddenly coming under the first COVID lockdown. So, and uh, at the time you've got mass redundancies, loads of people being put on furlough, you know, there, there was no employment going. It was just absolutely crazy. So I thought to myself, well, one, I need to keep myself absolutely sane. So I started doing loads of online courses. So I was studying solid works, CAD drawings, uh, Blender as well. I learned Blender in all that time. But the other thing that came up as well was uh, Prusa. They actually did some work or they worked with the Czech Ministry of Health. Yep. Yeah. And they released the face shield. Now, I remember at the time, it's it, because everybody had who had a 3D printer, they wanted to help. Yep. So they were talking about the face mask and everything else. And in the end, Prusa came back with a face shield, which I think is still the most downloaded model in the history of ever. I, I think it did beat out the Benchy, um, but yeah. I, I would say if it didn't, they're very close. And it, that mm. to me was one of the greatest things in this industry was yeah. watching, <laughs> you know, the entire industry say human malware is now a thing. And now, you know, we, we have an ability to pick up where traditional manufacturing just can't. And, yeah. you know, I found all these people locally with 3D printers. We organized some of the uh, shield um, works and we did almost 2000 shields in three weeks on our, on oh, our wow. farm. And the only reason we stopped in three weeks is because it took my injection molding facility uh, about an hour south of us three weeks mm -hmm. to cut his mold then it's like all right oh, wow. he can make ten thousand a day right <laughs> there is no point for 3d printers to keep going when traditional manufacturing is more than willing to donate right i mean the thing i've never ever been prouder to be part of this community than i was then i mean uh yeah that watching the whole community come together and so quickly as well i mean uh so I very quickly joined, I think it's 3D Crowd UK, and we start, I started uh, 3D printing the face shields. Everyone else I knew started doing the same. And I felt so honoured and humbled. And it is just an amazing thing to watch, to watch the entire community all come together so quickly and start throwing out, you know, busting out with these 3D printed um, face shields. Uh, it was just utterly brilliant to see. But I do remember, and it was after a number of months, the... Um, demand for 3d printed facials had died down yep. the government around the world had you know got their fingers out really started to sort out you know ppe most of so, them, yeah, <laughs> yeah, most of them. <laughs> no judgments here <laughs> no it, it, look I, I i'm in florida man okay like that's mm. j j j just do one more check mark for wait this existed <laughs> yeah. so you know, and uh, I remember at the time I've been locked in the house because, you know, it's been locked down. Um, it just passed my birthday as well. And I think there's a fair bit of, not just for myself, but, you know, across the country, across the world, a fair amount of, bit of depression that was going around, after, especially after all that time of being stuck inside. And it, by that point, I've already been 3D printing and designing for a good number of years. And I just thought to myself, do you know what? I'm, I want to design... A, like a 3d printer 
that can just sit on your desk. And I want it to look as stupid as possible. You know, it, I just want it to look daft. You know, my, my thinking was if it can make me laugh and can make one other person laugh, you know, at least one person, then it is just totally worth it. And I literally designed it in a space of like two, three hours. And um, I showed it to a friend of mine and I was like, and I remember saying to him, I can't show it. I can't share this. This is just too stupid. And he's like, because it is very different from my usual designs. And he's like, he's like, no, you have to. You've got to share it. You've got to share it. And I was like, I can't. It's stupid. And he's like, no, you have to share it. And I put it on Prusher Princess. Uh, yeah, at the time, Prusher Princess. Yep. And walked away, purposely walked away for like a good number. And came back a couple of days later. And yeah, I, and I find it's actually featured on the homepage. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> and then the thing that surprised me was quite a number of people was actually printing it off and sharing prints of it as well so it's the first i had other designs i've done in the past where i've seen people do prints of them but not to the extent of the first pressure man so i was like well you know it's uh certainly worthwhile doing it so and it's just kind of continued growing from there so I, I love it. And actually, recently, I went to California to do some scanning, and I met up mm. with a 3D printing business owner. Um, their company is called Jinxbot, and this is oh, wow. their, uh, you know, th their little logo robot guy. This is mm. SLS 3D printed. They have a Fuse 1 yeah, from Formlabs, and it's just adorable. And it did, mm. like, e even with this little wire detail, I'm trying to get it on my face so you can actually see the, mm -hmm. the detail. But even with all this small detail, it lasted all the way from... The, the plane flight from California to Florida. And I look at that and I just smile because mm. that is objectively cool. Um, there, yeah. there will be a video about that coming soon for those that, that are watching live um, of my journey in California. It, it was a whole thing. I didn't talk about it too much publicly because I just didn't want people to know that I was gone. <laughs> That's just a little bit weird. <laughs> uh, well, you mentioned Formlabs. Is it Formlabs that's got the collaboration going on with Hasbro? Probably. Formlabs? Yeah, uh, I think it, it is. It, yeah, because um, Hasbro's releasing the customized toys, so you can get, like, the Stormtrooper or yes. the Star Wars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, they can do the customized faces. They're the 3D printing the faces, I believe, or the heads they actually fit onto. We used to do that for Disney. You're just a show off, man. It's <laughs> I, I, I've got Snoop Dogg on the shelf over here. I'm happy to grab him. Um, wow. Yeah, Snoop Dogg's one of our one of our clients. Um, you know, and that's that's was all full color sandstone back then. Now they're doing, I think they're doing SLS or they're doing resin, and then it's somehow being painted because there is no technology from Formlabs currently that is public public knowledge that does multicolor. Mm -hmm. So they're either post painting it or they're using some sort of technology that they haven't talked about yet. Um, well, I believe formula, I believe they've got multiple resin colors for all different skin tones. And I believe they're printing the heads. Oh, in multiple pieces. pieces. Well, the bodies of all of the figurines, they're already set. So they, you know, they'd already be, um, vacuum formed or whatever it is how how the mass produced the only part that's actually going to be 3d printed is the head yeah yeah yeah. and uh i believe they're being printed in the whatever particular skin tone resin uh help you know very closely matches your own skin i think 
Hasbro have actually, they used to do a collaboration with Shakeways. Yes. Yep. And uh, I mean, they very quickly kind of tied to death. I don't think there's actually that much interest. But Shapeways Hasbro is in trouble ha- right now. If if you haven't, yeah. if you haven't seen their stock price has dipped below one dollar for long enough, they got a warning from the SEC, which basically mm. means they either have to somehow raise their stock price by you know in mm. influx of capital, or they're going to have to do a re- a reverse split. Or they're going to be delisted from the the New York Stock Exchange, which would that would be a first. We've never had a 3D printing company get delisted. And hilariously, out of all the Mm. ones, it's Shapeways. Um, They are ostensibly the largest. Yeah, I I would guess they're the largest, if not the second largest um, Mm. service bureau in the world. I'm not overly surprised, if I'm honest. I mean, neither am I. So their market, they always. you know they've got a great marketplace it's online and you can sell whatever 3d models and then you would get a small cut and you know they'll make most of their money from actually doing the 3d print of it the problem is because sla sls dlp 3d printers have become well not sls sla and dlp 3d printers are so cheap now i mean you, you look at your Lego mars and so on and so forth you know, it's a lot of people is using shapeways for you know for instance like the little train models or your, right. your dungeons and dragons models and you know your little monster models and because it's so cheap to just buy your own resin 3d printer now and actually print them out that way they've lost the hell of a market you know they've lost a really really big market so it's i, I couldn't help but think it is just a long time coming so it's a shame because I used to do, you know, provide a great service. But um, I think it's just uh, it's a repercussion of a change in the times. I I agree, and I I love your opinion here. Um, do you believe that resin printers are too cheap? Mm, I don't think they're too cheap. I think there should be more education in regards to using them. That's why I think they're too cheap. I, mm. I think that the price has come down and the education has not changed. Um, yeah. I am hoping to change that, but that, that that's going to be obviously quite a bit of work. Because um, mm. you, you primarily work in FDM right now, right? Do you do, you do any resin? I don't do any resin. Mean, I've got rid of my last resin printer, which was a anti-cubic photon, and I got rid of that about a year ago. But... It's just because I stopped using it. I mean, it, it's, it was a great printer. Um, you know, I really did get some great quality prints from it. The problem is, for me, it's always a burden. You know, you've got to put on the gloves. You need the isopropyl alcohol, you know. Um, uh, little things like I've got to open the door just to make sure, you know, for when I'm actually using it. I need to be extra careful when I'm handling the resin. It, it, there's just... It always just annoyed me. There was quite a bit involved. So, yeah, at the moment, I primarily use FDM. I just find it a lot more fun as well. The yeah, same. Because it, it, hmm. there's there's less hazards. There's less basic PPE needed. Like, maybe we should wear safety glasses or, you know, regular eyeglasses are normally good hmm. enough. Something to keep the shards of plastic out of your eyes when you're ripping off support. But otherwise, hmm. there's not a whole lot needed. Right. I mean, maybe yeah, we should is. wear cutting gloves to not stab ourselves with scrapers, but we, you mm-hmm. know, it, you get enough scars, it, 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 it builds up armor. 
But it's not just that you can actually see the growth of a model from the very first layer. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of get that reward straight away. Whereas with a resin printer, you know, it's the, the bed is stuck in the vat and it will be about three hours before you can actually get visibility of it. So it's there's nothing wrong with resin printing. I mean, I know Uncle Jesse, he loves his resin printers in the you can't help but respect that. He's done a lot of good work with them. Oh, yeah. But it's. I, I just find FDM so much more fun. It, it's just... I, I find it easier to get people into as well, right? Because a failure yeah. with FDM, unless it's mm -hmm. like a really bad blob of doom, is not mm -hmm. that big of a deal, right? Yeah. Swipe it into the trash and move on. And, you know, Wham Bam is saying scrapers no more. That's fair, right? Wham Bam Flex mm -hmm. Plates, obviously. Shout out Wham Bam. Code uh, Musketeers 2022 for 10% off through the end of the year. Gotta, gotta throw that call to action in. Um, but, you know, it, it, their Flex Plates are pretty much the best when it comes to resin. But I will say some trouble when you're doing parts with lots of surface area because the plate can actually shift a little bit. Like the the magnet yeah. can allow it to to turn a little bit. Um, but, you know, that's just part of the risk you take, right? And that's why mm. I have just, I have a big part, take out the one with the flex plate, put on the one without the flex plate, and life <laughs> is good. Um, I mean, on top of that as well, I mean, the SLA 3D printers, their quality has increased so much. So yeah. when we was doing outsource work for shapeways uh we you know we would get i think the best we would get is uh 32 microns yeah quality wise uh yeah, we, right. we could get 16 but the standard we was normally doing was about 32. now in your normal sla printer you can get 50 microns so it's like you're not far off from that industrial grade quality with those 3d with the desktop 3d printer so yeah, again, it's another reason why, you know, I think Shapeways' stock has just really dropped down a hell of a lot. Hmm. It, it's, that's fair. And now, did you see the latest DLP from Anycubic? I mean, honestly, they're, it, it, it's like, they're, they're just racing. It was who can be the cheapest, now it's who can be the most innovative. And yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad companies like Bamboo Lab exists now because it does yeah. force some of the other companies like Creality and honestly even Prusa right um yeah. to not rely on the old tech right Bamboo Lab is like AMD three or four years ago when they first launched the Ryzen 1000 series Intel mm -hmm. was just riding their their coattails of we have no competition it doesn't matter if we don't do a damn thing then mm -hmm. AMD hit it Intel's like oh shit we have to go, you know, get all that done. And I think yeah. Bamboo is going to do that. Now, whether or not their printers are any good long term is still to be seen. And that's, that's why... That's the concern I have. It's yep. the, the, the reason why... I mean, here's the thing, you know, I've said if you can still get the same quality with a machine in about a year's time, then I may potentially get one. There's a couple of things. I, I don't really... I, I think Bamboo is an absolutely fantastic company. I think the way they've disrupted the industry is actually quite good, but they've done it in a good way as well. I you agree. know, they, they haven't kind of jumped in and started bullying everybody. They, they've, kind, they've kind of jumped in and said, we're the new guys, we're here to help. And I do appreciate that. Um, one of the things that annoys me is when people compare the, the Bam, um, Bamboo Lab X1 to... The Excel, the Prusa Excel, it's they're, they're both two completely different 3D printers. There's a, there isn't really a comparison. 
I can understand in the sense where if you've only got the money to either buy one of them. Uh, so I can understand people making a comparison in that sense. But it's like, you know, the, the XL has got a completely different. It's a tool changer. And it's I, a tool changer. I, I had this conversation with someone because they said, well, why don't you just get an <laughs> X1 Carbon? I said, because <laughs> I want to run soluble support. And there is no way that that X1 Carbon, and if I'm wrong, Bamboo Lab, if you're watching, prove it. Um, yeah. There's no way to be printing in carbon fiber nylon, switch over mm -hmm. to PVA, and then back to carbon fiber nylon. Their temperature needs are so vastly different that mm -hmm. it, it's it's just not good. You're going to spend so much time on the heat up and cool down cycles, assuming the printer even knows how to do that, that yeah. it doesn't make sense. And to have any carbon fiber nylon in your soluble support becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? I but, mean, you know, I would do... PLA supports with a PVA interface layer and then carbon mm -hmm. fiber, everything else. If I had a tool changer, yeah. use cheap material for your supports. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's, again, so few understand that because business versus consumer. Yeah. I mean, the, the bamboo lab printer does look like an absolutely fantastic printer. And also the little finicky things have added to their slicer and also like the, um, the way they've got, uh, was it a laser that measures the actual height of the first? Um, they say it's a laser. Line. I think it's an optical it's, sensor, but yeah, I, I don't have one. But to again, test. All, <laughs> but again, it all looks absolutely fantastic. So it really does look like a brilliant machine. My only concern with Bamboo Lab is I think they've overreached before being able to accumulate enough cost to cover themselves that's because here's the thing they're pretty much already worldwide so they're based in china there's the us there's europe as well fast um, growth can be dangerous I, yeah now i know they had a uh, i think it's a grant of about uh, 20 million but the thing is from my understanding they've already got about 200 employees a good yep. number of them are engineers and etc so Granted, they may have the smartest people in the room, but the smartest people in the room still all have to get paid. So my only concern is they've overstretched too quickly before they can actually, you know, really accumulate that uh, that wealth they need to actually sustain themselves. That's my only concern. So I completely uh, agree. And I, I'm also hmm. worried about their ability to support the printers in six months, right? So yeah, for me minimally six months until I'm looking at it. I want to see what the average consumer has for problems. If their machines are running just fine in six months, it might, you know, might be worth it, but I want to yeah. see, has the company made any iterations? Have prices changed? Are we seeing delays in spare parts? Cause the one thing I like about Prusa, it's all open source. And if I have a yeah. problem, I just print out a part on another one of my Prusas. Um, mm -hmm. I need a new hot end. I just go buy one or I, mm -hmm. or I have spares. I have like 15 spares. Um, Cause when you have 40 printers, you need to have spare mm -hmm. parts. And if I have to adopt an entirely new ecosystem, which objectively I have to do for the XL as well, right? The next Truder mm -hmm. is going to be a completely different ecosystem. So fine but if i have to adopt a new ecosystem i want one that's going to be long-term valuable and not something that is a one generation only 
right? I don't want to yeah. have 15 tool heads for a bamboo X1 carbon and the X2 carbon comes out and it's a totally different interface system and all that. So it, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I think from a consumer standpoint, it, it is a tough, tough thing to look at that and say, I don't want it. From a business standpoint, it's easy to say, I don't trust it. And it's not because I don't yeah. trust the company, but I don't trust the company. <laughs> it's, you know, they need to prove it. I mean, he's, I mean, um, they've been very upfront and they've been very straightforward so far. I mean, Dr. Turbo uh, on Twitter is um, proving himself to be incredibly approachable. But I am kind of in the same lane as you are. It's when you have a printer with that fast movements going on for about a year. You're I mean, here's the thing. I've still got my... my uh, I've, I've still got my day one pre-shirt MK3. It still works like, um, you know, I just bought it yesterday. Yep. And that's a good number of years old. The same with my first, the first pre-shirt mini I bought. That still works very, very brilliantly. My concern is with the Bamboo Labs printer, with all of that extremely fast movements, I can't help but think parts are going to wear down. You'll need replacement parts quite quickly. It's, again, I would like to see how it's running after six months or a year's use. So I think the company is absolutely fantastic. I I think they're kind of doing things in the right way, but I think they've overstretched too quickly. So I don't think they really had to expand so much into, or I have offices in America and also offices in Europe as well. I think they could have held off from that for at least about six months or a year just to see how the Kickstarter went for them. I mean, so far, they're knocking it out of the park, right? They're getting deliveries reasonably close to on time. I yeah. That was overzealous to begin with, but they actually got a lot of them out on time. And a lot of the delays mm. that they've seen is just in shipping. And you know what? Yeah. That's fine, right? Mm. That, that, that shit happens. I totally understand. Um, you know, I, I'm not... I'm not going to dock them points for UPS, FedEx, DHL, whatever it might be, screwing up something. Just like I don't dock Prusa Ford or I don't dock any other company for it. Um, But I would love to see spare parts of theirs on Amazon. But I figure in about 90 days or less, we're going to see spare parts come out of, you know, the geometric company on AliExpress that I refuse to mention uh, because they, they knock everybody off. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. then we'll have a, a decent source of knockoff spare parts. <laughs> but you- I think I'm hoping they'll do well. Um, I think they've been a very positive impact for the industry. So, yeah. But they're, they're a company to certainly keep an eye on for the next six months to a year, definitely. Without a doubt. Yeah, I'm going to be watching them heavily. And people like Phil, Tom of Film and Frenzy, um, mm. he's kind of the one I'm watching the most because he he beats the hell out of his beats the yeah. absolute hell out of it um you know people like uncle jesse chris perillo the the content creators that are youtubers may not use theirs as much specifically because it is so damn loud when you move that fast yeah. it is going to be loud so you can't but people like tom film and frenzy who does just pictures or gifts online mm-hmm it's a lot more easy for him to do something and still be able to do other things at the same time. Um, yeah. But I, I will be curious to see, I want Tom Sadlatterer to, to, to really abuse one. I think he might be the one mm. that I look at because he's pretty tough on things. Um, yeah. But I'd like to I get one. He's always struck me enough. as, 
Yeah, he's always struck me as a guy with integrity and honesty. And um, if he likes something, he will say so. If he doesn't, you know, he will say so. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see how his opinion, you know, if it changes in six months' time. Yeah. Hey, maybe we get lucky and we and we end up with one. You get one, I get one, and then mm. we get to abuse it for, for, for mm. from our standpoints, right? Because, um, you know... Well, it's funny because it, uh, one of the things I did that uh, obviously caught my eye about, because... Okay, so with the Prusa mates, you can print it in, or actually with all of my designs, you can print the parts and then you assemble them together. So one of the uh, most common misconceptions when it comes to my designs is the MMU, or people would need a mosaic palette or uh, an MMU upgrade. And for my, all of my designs, you actually don't. I, I purposely design them so you don't, they don't have to be printed with MMU or with a mosaic that. palette. Like, yeah, absolutely love that. Well, the reason for that was when I actually first started designing, uh, uh, I designed a transforming robot, for instance. And one of the things, all the parts had to be printed with MMU. Mm -hmm. I did have a multi-material upgrade with my MK2S printer. And it, it worked fine. It worked very well. The issue was the material wastage. And it's really, really bugged me. So... Because it, it, there'll be occasions when it works out, I'm wasting more material than, I, than I'm actually using for the actual print itself. So it kind of changed my whole perspective when it came to actually designing it. So it's like, you know, I wanted to be able to give people designs or give people the ability to create these designs without having to waste so much material. Right. So, yeah. And... It's funny, so you see the Bamboo Labs, you know, poop shoot. Off the back uh, of the printer. Why? Yeah. What, like, I, I it's it so ridiculous. Where am I? Like, come on. All of, None of us put printers yeah. in the middle of rooms. Like, I, I get the thing looks pretty, but honestly, mm -hmm. that mark was just, like, they had every opportunity to put the poop shoot somewhere else or just yeah. have it go somewhere you can still have the location be the same, but just have it yeah. go somewhere else. They had every opportunity and they said, nah, no one puts their stuff against a wall. Literally everybody does that. Literally yeah. everybody does that. Yeah, <laughs> Uncle Jesse talked uh, about that he he got one without the AMS and he kind of regretted it because the spool on the back is a monumental pain in the ass. He would get the <laughs> AMS just to put the spools on the top of it. Like, come on. It's so, like they looked at it and said, how do we make it look as pretty as possible on the front? Which I, mm -hmm. I, I think they objectively did. But they, yeah. you know, it, it, it it's the Homer Simpson when he's stretching his skin, right? He looks great from the front, but on the back, eh, there's some stuff to still be desired. But mm -hmm. that's where I think maybe iterations are going to be coming out. But the printed parts in the community with the with the bucket for the poop shoot, it, it works. But yeah, I, I appreciate the hell out of that you make it so you don't need an MMU because I don't have an MMU. Um, I've never needed one. Uh, and <laughs> honestly, it's part of the reason I don't like MMUs. One, they're finicky. Everyone knows they're finicky. Yeah. But then two, it's the waste. And where I yeah. live, we don't have a great municipal recycling program. Yay, America. Yay, rural America specifically. Um, and my local recycling centers 
do not take 3D printed parts. I have to drive quite a distance to find a place oh, wow. that does. And then they require you to have everything split up. And if you have one bit of contaminant in, the, in, in your bag of, you know, let's say it's all PLA and you have a little bit of ABS in there, all thrown away. It's not recycled. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Strike a light. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, that's likely an American thing, right? We we talked about this a little bit off stream that, uh, you know, there are some things left to be desired from American healthcare and education and, um, you know, but it could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> it could be so, worse. Um, yeah. And that's another thing that kind of puts me off with the bamboo, like the shoe, the material wastage. I, it's another reason why my designs just need to be assembled together. You're not wasting anything. It's, and on top of that, I think it's also a lot more fun when the actual assembly process as well. I mean, even though you're just sticking bits of plastic together with glue, I think you appreciate it more once you actually see the final thing at the end of it. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Right. I, I have, personally never built one of the Prusa mates mainly because mm. I don't have the space. It, they, they add mm. um, measurements that I just don't have the room for. Um, mm. But I have thought about doing it on the, the time-lapse printer just because it would look adorable while it's moving. Um, mm. But in, cause we, we stream on maker deck now. So there's a live stream of it when we do print live, but okay. yeah, which is fun. Like I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy doing that one. It's like a crowdsource spaghetti detective. Just, you know, I'll get pinged in their, in their discord if something's wrong. Um, but otherwise I just get to show off something running that I would normally just turn into a time-lapse where you don't get to see it running for 12 or 13 hours or whatever it might be. But I, I like the multi-piece stuff. It, I don't have to deal with all the waste. I don't have to deal with if the MMU fails for some reason and, or, you know, yeah. you go from, on a lot of your models, you go from white to not white, whether it's black, red, orange, colors that need a ton of purge if you do end up going mm -hmm. back to white. And then that would just it'd yeah. be a disaster on an MMU with your system. It's not needed. And that's what makes it so easy to print. Yeah. The other thing with MMU as well is all it takes is for one line just to be skipped or to get a uh, filament jam just on one line and then your whole print is just ruined uh, that's all it takes and it's just you know with, with the many hours of using like the mmu and you end up on the t the, the 10th to last layer, um, you know printed layer and it just skips that one <laughs> and you just see that one floor and it's just yeah, it's one of those things so i've had yeah. it i've had it on regular prints too right it's just like Ah, <sighs> it's not about the material. It's not it, like the, the, the $10, $15, whatever it might be. If you use a full kilo of filament in materials, not that it's not that it's the three yeah. days of time mm -hmm. that you just lost because it never happens when you have tons of time. It always happens when you're up against a deadline, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I actually remember when we was doing the, uh, again, going back to that polyjet printer we used to use for the outsource work for Shapeways. There was an occasion when, so what they used to do, they used to give us really, really long prints for us to actually run over the weekend. Mm -hmm. So we'll get it started last thing on the Friday, and it would normally be just finished printing on the Monday or on the Sunday. 
and uh, we'll go in on the Monday, and then you find out uh, there was one we found it has failed with two hours left to go, and we worked out how much resin was actually used on the print, and plus like um, the wax material as well, and we ended up losing. I think it was like. 250 pounds just in materials and it's like, oh no oh yeah I, that that doesn't surprise me at all um now we used to do outsource work for shapeways too we did it for full color sandstone um and yeah it, the margins on full color sandstone were only like 60 percent at best anyways so if you oh, had okay. a fa if you had a failed print you were working for free right yeah and shapeways would send you parts that were not validated so you would get parts that were like a millimeter thick. There's no mm. chance they were ever going to survive anything. And, you know, they break during shipping. The client complains. Shapeways yells at us like it's somehow our fault. And, yeah, it is. Uh, it's not fun. It And it's, it's why we stopped. It's why we stopped Shapeways, why we stopped 3D Hubs. It wasn't mm. worth the BS to us. Mm to go through all of that, that it, you know, for what a hundred bucks, you know, I'm doing like 12 hours of work for a hundred bucks, go flip burgers oh. for that price, you know? Yeah. It's, but, uh, the, the work was consistent, but it never really gave you much of a margin. Mm -hmm. Now, can you talk about um, some of your recent printer mates? You did the, Tachycoma. I'm gonna. I might get that wrong. Tachycoma from uh, Tachycoma. Tachycoma from Ghost in the Shell. What inspired that one? Because that one blew up on Twitter. My dude, you tagged me in that photo, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be bad. And it it was amazing to see. Like even weeks later, people are still commenting on it, and that is just so cool for me. Cause I, I get to like live vicariously through you from that post and just experience what that's like. It must feel really good to get that kind of, of, um, you know, community outreach, but what inspired that build? Um, actually it would have been, so I did the collaboration with Prusa just before that for the, um, the Prusa mate. Yep. Uh, sorry, the official Prusa mate add-on. And um, I gave it shoes because it's sort of, I remember looking at it and thinking, well, how am I going to justify it standing? It's like knee shoes. So I gave it four shoes. And there was a part of me that just kept looking at it and thinking, it looks like it should be a tank. You know, it, it needs like proper, you know, and I remember looking at it thinking, you know, it looks like it should be a robot, you know, like a tank robot. And it's all I kept run, you know, thinking on it. Also, left the comment as well uh, on that one of those posts saying it looks like it should be like um, you know uh, you know look like a tank, and it just kept running through my mind. And I remember uh, I've always been a big fan of Ghost in the Shell, the original movie. The original movie I absolutely love. The standalone right. complex TV series I adore them. The, the Tachikomas are probably like the cutest and most adorable tanks in the history of mankind. You know, it, it's the first time you'd ever want a tank and actually want to invite it to your, you know, your home sort of thing. It's, right. They're, they're brilliant and they're adorable. And it, there's all, I've always kind of looked at the many and just envisaged this sort of like tank personality. And it 
with the patch coat, it just felt like it would so easily fit. You know, if you can give it the legs, if you can sort of like give it the eye that rotates as well. It, it just seemed like a natural fit. I'm, it might seem an odd thing to say, because it's all like, they are completely different things. You know, you've got one which is like this little miniature cube 3D printer, and you've got this little cute sort of blue tank with a squeaky sort of adorable voice. You know, it, it, but it, it just seemed like there's this natural connection or sort of like, or like merging of the two. So, yeah, it's, I, I remember telling a friend about it. Uh, a friend of mine, um, Stian, uh, Stian, uh, HBP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He designs a surprise X. So, it, yeah, he's actually a friend of mine. We chat regularly online. Cool. And uh, I, I sort of like give him a heads up for like upcoming projects I've got planned. I run ideas with him. He comes back with suggestions. You know, I'll even show him designs that I've got in progress at the moment. And he'll come back with... Um, constructive feedback you know a great great guy and uh i remember telling him the idea and he's like yeah okay <laughs> uh, at which point i've shown him like the progress i did uh, in regards to the cad software he's like okay and it wasn't until complete and he's looked at me so like, actually that's amazing <laughs> so it, it's it i was surprised it kind of blew up as it did i wasn't expecting it at all i, I thought it would not you know it might maybe get like 50 to 100 likes or something like that i wasn't expecting it to. it got a couple you know, more than that yeah I, I really wasn't expecting people to react the way they did uh, towards i mean if they appreciate the tankoma mod um i'd imagine they will appreciate the mod i'm working on at the moment so I'm not going to say what the mod is, but I am. I gave you a sneak peek. And, uh, Suffice you know, to say, it's pretty awesome. It. Yeah, it, that one I'm really, really looking forward to. So, but you, it's you're going to do more of the uh, of those, right? Yeah, there, uh, okay. it's another two. There's another two sort of mods I've got planned. There's the one I gave you the sneak peek about, and there's also another one which I've. I've been planning in my mind for the MK3. And I, with the MK3 one, uh, thinking about it, I think it's the only real way you can mod it like this. So, and I've been thinking about it very, very carefully because it's all like one of the challenges is, is trying to give, or when I mod, you know, like a Prussian Mini, for instance, trying to give it a brand new sort of like personality, but still keeping it as a printer. You still need it to be able to print as it should do. Right. So. Right. It, that must be the challenge, right? Is that the biggest challenge of just trying to get yeah. it so it continues to print normally, but also still has a new personality? Yes, it's, I mean, it's like, for instance, I mean, when I first received the original Prusa Mini and I was working on the mod to try and turn it into a Prusa Maze, is that it's, it's like you move the print bed back and forth and you're trying to see where the parts are moving to. So you know when you add all the additional parts, um, you, know, you know, the print bed will hit that part, so I can't use that area there, I can't use this area here. So it's all like you're looking at all of the areas that can actually be used and uh, trying to fill it up with ways to give it personality, if that makes any sense. 
So it, 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 it does become, I wouldn't say difficult, it does become challenging and it is something to be thoughtful of when you're actually doing any add-on. But again, it's kind of inspiring in a way where people would be encouraged to modify their own printers or, you know, to give their printer legs and things like that. It's it does make them a lot more a lot more fun and a lot more inviting, I think. You know, it, it wasn't until I, I saw some of your printer mates, I said, huh. I guess I can mod the outside of them, right? I've I've always left them pretty stock. I make very small modifications to the Mark 3S's just to make uh, tensioning the Y-axis easier. I stick an Allen key underneath the screen and there's a bolt right there that tensions the Y-axis. And it's amazing. Mm. It's a great print. And I do it when I build the printers, right? So it's just part of the kit. I just have the parts ready. I throw the stock parts into the corner and then I use these ones. But I've... It wasn't until I saw your, your printer mates. I'm like, yeah, you know, I guess I can make it look different. And as long as you don't mess with the geometry of anything, yeah, there, there's really no reason you can't do this. Yeah. I mean, really, for all intents and purposes, all I've done is given it legs, which uh, they attach to the extrusions just on the side. So, again, that's not affecting any of the engineering at all. And also I've added something that just very cleverly fits over the top, the uh, the, one, the, um, the front Y plate. So mm. that's all I've done. So there's nothing there which will affect any of the engineering whatsoever. Right. Um, you've got something that will fit over, say, the Z-axis motor. Yep. And But again, there's holes there as well to ensure there's, a, you know, any heat actually escapes as well or that you know you've got the cool down you've got something that fits on the magnet the thing uh sorry the magnet that fits on the actual motor so the eye turns around again very very light and thin it's won't affect any of the engineering whatsoever so it, it's at the core of it it's still a 3d printer it's just cool it's, yeah exactly it's a, all, all i've done is just giving it a really sexy body that's it so should you call yourself the uh, the the plastic surgeon of 3D printers? <laughs> I've never. No, that's just weird. <laughs> hey, you just said you give printers a sexy body. Okay, does that? Does yeah, that that's true. That's true. <laughs> or may, maybe you're the personal trainer of of 3D printers. Um, it, it, that one's a little bit less weird. Um. <laughs> uh, how about I'm a 3D printer clothing designer? <laughs> Something like that, maybe. We, we, we will take uh, names for Neil's technical profession in the comments. <laughs> I, I'd be very curious to see what, what some of the viewers have. Um, yeah, this is... I, I've enjoyed him, right? Every time I see him, I giggle. And it's like, God, I we're putting a Quinley kit on one of our Mark III's. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh man, I should turn that one into a Prusamate at the same time. And that way it's not only automated, but it's also adorable as it's ramming into things and pushing them off the build plate. <laughs> like that's it's, just cute. <laughs> yeah, I've got some plans for the MK3 when I do eventually end up doing the mod for that. But it, on top of that as well, I mean, if you think about it, it's like, you know, if I in the future ever do any shows or anything like that or end up attending like a maker fair and I have a small booth or something, 
you know, it, and I have those printers on display. It's it, it is uh, it will make an absolutely awesome feature. Really well. Jimmy uh, Johannesson is saying plastic surgery by engineering. So plastic engineer. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like that's a technical like an actual thing that someone could become but maybe that would be a material scientist I, I don't know uh but it i've always enjoyed it so how does what does this this thought process look like because you know the the the, the tachycoma is really complicated there's a lot of individual components to it how do you go from this oh i want to make this to all right let's make it and then what programs are you using to make it well, uh, design programs, I mostly use 1-2-3-D design and okay. Blender. 1-2-3-D design is an Autodesk program, which yep. is no longer supported. <laughs> hasn't been supported for a few years now, So, which is another reason why I've learned Blender as well. Um, uh, although I can use SolidWorks, and I can also use Fusion 360 on top of that. But for me, 1-2-3-D design is just so much quicker. So uh, I tend to use those programs. In regards to planning, it's actually all in my head. I won't actually put anything to paper. I won't, you know, do any test diagrams or anything like that. Mm. So, for instance, with uh, uh, all of the add-ons, um, what I might do is download the STL files from Prusa, all of the parts, and put those into the modeling spot software, and then I'll design around them. So I know parts are actually going to fit correctly or anything like that. But I normally have an idea in my mind from when I actually start of how the actual finished design is going to look already. It's, I, I'm absolutely dread, dreadful. I'm terrible when it comes to planning. I don't plan it. It's like I normally have the idea in my head of how it's going to work. I mean, I kind of wing it all the way to getting it to work. You know, I, I would have never guessed that, but I guess that would be on brand for the maker. You know, I don't plan yeah. it. It just happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alison Ford, you know, it, fellow UK, by the way, fellow UK resident, uh, says printer stylist. I, I love that one, actually. That's. Yes, I like that. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to put it on my. I want you to update your LinkedIn with like a really funny, you know, I, I'm a professional <laughs> printer stylist, right? Because <laughs> like that, that's, it's cool sounding, right? You know? Yeah, I do. I'm going to put that on my Twitter profile, actually. I'm a printer stylist. <laughs> I, you know, it fits. It does fit. Because uh, you did one for Snapmaker too. Um, my, my thoughts yeah. on the Snapmaker A350T are not great. Um <laughs> It's, here's the thing, it is, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's the 3D printer, it's the CNC, it's the laser, it's all three to one. I still haven't used the CNC, I still haven't used the laser. And as the a 3D printer, I mean, as a 3D printer, for me personally, it works better than Creality Machines and a, a number of other brands that's actually out there. But it's still a very basic 3D printer. And it's, I think the best way to explain it is that my Snapmaker is kind of like my, one of my ex-girlfriends, you know, really pretty to look at, but no personality. It's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, God. I, I can go further with this because they don't use PID. They use Bang Bang. So, you know, there there's a further part that we could go on the ex-girlfriend side of things. But, um, yeah, the, the A3, it, it's not, God, you know, I'll tell you, it's fast. Like, it's one of the faster printers that we have that's not custom built. Um, but don't do tall parts on it. Or don't have it in a room that's air conditioned. Um, oh, okay. Because the bed warps, and you'll see it in your models. Oh, well, that hasn't happened to me. Uh, and in fact, I've only printed very, very slowly on it. I haven't printed fast. And I'm doing but, like a uh, hundred. I'm, I'm also no problem. Uh, huh? You could do 150 millimeters a second on those, no problem. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I've only been going fairly slowly. It's all lead screws, my... so there's no backlash. You can just go for it. Okay. It's it as a printer, it's just okay, but it's, it's like I, I, my go to is still my precious. It's if I want a quick print, I'm going straight to them. Yeah, I don't, like, don't get me wrong, to... the snap maker's right there, right there. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, if I need something and it fits on the precious, it's going on the precious, yeah, yeah, precisely. It's it, it's not a bad machine, it's just not great, right? Right. Mm. Uh, Allison is wondering if she gets royalties. No. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, rough, rough, rough. Um, uh, she, she, she may get a mention. But uh, uh, Allison, thank you for the uh, fantastic suggestion. I really like that one. Yeah, I, I think it works perfectly. Now you got to do one with like a mohawk. I need like a Dragon Ball Z Goku uh, printer made. <laughs> God, that would be ridiculous. Well, it's funny you mentioned Dragon Ball Z because you know the one I'm designing at the moment. So I do. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Unrelated to that. I, I, I did not, you know, that was not mm. to give the, the audience a hint as to what you're designing. Um, well, in fairness, it's probably the worst hit I could ever give them. So. <laughs> oh yeah, it's that's a that's a that's a really really convoluted hit. Um, <laughs> I'll let you know how many people reach out to me and ask what it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what what do you so what do you do outside of uh, the printer mates? So, so what what is your profession outside of this? Um, believe it or not, I actually work in the transportation industry. Um, so the company I work at at the moment, I actually do accounts, but from my perspective, that helps fund my hobby. Although, in fairness, I'm now in a situation where that my hobby actually funds itself. So it does make me money, which helps me get filaments, new printers, a, a new computer a couple of years back. So it, it I'm in a unique position and a humble position where it, my hobby pays for its. And here's the thing: it's not a cheap hobby. It no. can work out quite. Yeah, it's it can work out quite a pricey hobby. So I'm certainly in a very, very fortunate position where I do make some money from it. So uh, work, what you know, in regards to my full-time job, yeah, I do enjoy the work. It, it's good, it's fun, but it's completely unrelated to 3D printing in every single way. So, one of our, uh, one of my good friends, former podcast guest Courtney of Filament Stories, knows all about how expensive it can get. She has 
over 600 kilograms of filament and every one of them is a different color um wow her entire you know content creation she she's a youtuber tiktoker that kind of thing um mm. content creator extraordinaire mom and all the fun stuff uh she she has like bunkers of filament and they're all organized by color right and she of all people will know because that filament's not cheap and she's getting some filament from mm -hmm. exotic locations crazy shipping prices um mm -hmm. you know and it is it, it's astounding to see it but you know similarly she's a professional in the industry i hope you know some of it is paid for by the channel and all of that and one day i'll eventually be able to have the channel pay for itself but right now it is what it is it's still fun um and yes Pez, I mean, like you the... do need to visit courtney just to see her bunker of filament yeah. it's pretty awesome well i mean uh, in regards to revenue stream, i mean i've got a full-time job um i do some money through uh licensing agreements i've got for the prince twins uh which is always nice a nice little bit of pocket money every single month yeah. and in regards to my patreon that does make a little bit of money but i am closing my patreon in next month uh it, it wasn't the easiest decision to make but it felt like the most prudent one to actually make so my patreons they're pretty much wholly um supported me for like the last couple of years because of the little cities projects i've been doing yeah so they don't just receive little city designs uh, they also receive various other designs every single month as well normally an additional printer tune or you know there might be other variations etc but um the little cities um in regards to i got about halfway through of designing i think i've designed about 20 and then it reached a point where it's like, well, and this is probably the only time I've ever actually planned something. It's like, well, now I need to create a map because this is all going all over the place. And so I need an actual map now to figure out how I'm going to finish it all off. So it's about half when, you know, once I reached halfway through. So I did about 20 little city designs and thought, right, how am I going to finish it? And by the, once I've done the map, I'd realised there's going to be 43 in total, which wow. is yeah and i've got three left to do so i've actually said to patreons what i'm going to do is you've got the two little city designs coming this month uh i've already said to them okay next month you're not going to be billed and i'm going to release the last little city to you lot for free and it's been a hell of a project uh, but it's been so much fun and i'm so glad as well and i'm kind of reaching the point where it's like okay yeah this is now going to be finished off now because it's it's been geez it's been a long time <laughs> it allows you to go after other projects other ideas yeah. other printer mates that kind of thing well um i do have let's say there's a, a couple of designs as soon as little cities are completed i do have a couple of designs and once my Patreon's finished off as well, I do have a couple of designs I want to finish off. So I have started them, they're not related to all cities or Prussian mates, but I want to finish them off, actually get those shared online. Uh, following that, um, in a way, I want to kind of go back to like education or something like go back to teaching myself. So I really do want to improve my sculpting skills. So my plan is to spend about two, three months just really concentrating on blender sculpting and just really improve those sort of techniques I have uh, because there's a number of 
and that's because there's another fairly large 3D printable toy project I have in mind, which I um, estimate is probably going to take me about six months to a year to complete. And it will involve a fair amount of sculpting as well as CAD. You know, it's pretty much going to use all of my design skills all in one. And I'll say nice. some design skills on really. Yeah, it's a really, really exciting project. Uh, there's nothing else that's actually like there that's out there that's like that at the moment. So it will be quite unique. Uh, it will be very different. I, I like that you're not just pushing your boundaries, but you're doing it in a public way where you're going to apply the skills into something. A lot of us will learn skills just to learn them, but I appreciate when people say, I have a project that I need to learn a specific skill for. I'm going to learn that skill and I'm going to do that project. And even further, I think you're 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 breaking the maker aspect of you're planning ahead of time knowing you need that skill, not, oh yeah. shit, I guess I should know how to uh, sculpt. Because I will tell you, Blender from a newbie's perspective is rough. It's rough. Yeah. And I've always wanted to be better at designing. I know mm -hmm. some Fusion, not great at it. I can't use Blender to save my life. And ZBrush, I opened up once, looked at and said, huh, those menus are in alphabetical order. File is not in the top left. I don't like this. Goodbye. Um, and that, that was as far as I got into ZBrush. And seeing you really push yourself like that, that's that's pretty awesome. I it's I commend you. I mean, this this project I have in mind. I mean, the thing is as well, it's kind of modular, but it's not. So, as part of me thinks it can be done in stages, but really in the back of my mind, it's sort of uh, I'm thinking to myself, I really need to design all of it, even though it could probably be done in sections and possibly be released to patrons. It, when I'm looking at it realistically, it's like, well, each section is probably going to take me a few months to do. And I don't want to rush any of it. So it's like, and the last, I'm not entirely sure if it's all going to work until the last part's done. So, which is I, what I might do is sell the, I mean, this is way jumping ahead in the future, you know, I mean, I need to still actually learn or improve my skills in regards to sculpting and actually create the entire projects and everything. But I don't feel it will be a suitable thing for Patreon to actually help support me as I go with it. But the, the Patreon, I mean, in fairness, it's helped me save up a number of money. So money I've made from Patreon has gone into a savings account and any filaments I need, I can just take out of that. So really, in fairness, this project in the future is actually thanks to the, my Patreons I already have. So I have a hell of a lot of thanks from them. Yeah. I got you. Okay. I I, I thought yeah. I lost you there. I got you. Yeah. I got you now. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, it's just come up and said the internet connection is unstable. So Yeah, you're 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 in and out, but we're we're picking up most of it. We're picking up most of it. Okay. Filament Story is actually saying that Nomad Sculpt is pretty easy to pick up, so I'll have to look at that. Um I think that's an iPad thing though, which might be a problem. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, uh, I don't know anything about Nomad at all. So, Is your goal then just to kind of become a master of Blender? Um, 
I'm quite comfortable in Blender as it is. So uh, during the first lockdown and I, I found myself, I was actually unemployed. I made a point of studying Blender and there's a four, a course I did and it had 40 hours of video footage tutorials in this course. And I treated it like it as a job. So literally at eight o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock in the morning, I would go downstairs at the time my um, <coughs> my computer and my printers was in the garage. And uh, so, yeah, I would go down there at nine o'clock in the morning and I would just work on these courses and these tutorials for up until, yeah, until about five o'clock, 5.30 at night. So, and it had two positive impacts. One, it kept me staying during lockdown. And two, because I was treating it like it was a job. Um, I wasn't going insane for being unemployed. But yeah, and I did that course in its entirety. And I did, you, you reach a point where you do find yourself fairly comfortable in Blender, just at least with like the basic or the intermediate sort of things. I mean, here's the, right. I know Blender is massively intimidating mm. and if anyone there that decides to themselves i want to learn blender don't just jump in i highly recommend for instance blender guru's donut tutorial you know it is probably the best one you could do it's just that there's so much and the thing is blender is kind of split up into like different sets. so you've got like your design you've got your you know, you're, you're sculpting, you've got your um, grease pencil, you've got your animation. There's so much involved. But for starters, you, chances are you won't need all of it. So for right. yourself, for instance, I mean, they've just uh, created a CAD add-on as well. So really, your chances are you'll just need like the CAD sculpting, uh, you know, just off by practicing doing terrain or like green wood like that you know um not actual mods or anything like that just of doing you know like just that or want to add creases into clothes you know things like that and also i'd recommend just mesh pulling so you know you're manipulating or creating models that way it, it, you don't need to learn for instance animation or anything like that you can learn it to further on down the future but just learn the initial basics first or Best bet, you know, think of a project and think to yourself, what do I need to learn for that actual particular project? So hmm. the chances are you won't need all of it. And in fairness, even professional Blender users can't use all the Blender. You know, they find themselves having to go back on tutorials or check things out online because they come across things they don't know how to do. Well, that's the value of the open source nature of Blender, right? Because there's so many yeah. add-ons and possibilities. I did not know there was a CAD add-on. So you can do full parametric yeah. inside of Blender now? Uh, I wouldn't say it's full. Um, okay. It's quite in experimental stage um, and it's just an add-on. But it does look like they are trying to introduce a sort of like a professional CAD usage or at least a very basic CAD usage within Blender. I mean, that's, that is honestly how you get me away from Fusion. That's legitimate mm. because I, it, it's no secret that Fusion 360 and Autodesk have been kneecapping their software every single year. They just raised their prices, honestly, yeah. for no good reason, like just because, and they removed features 
after raising those prices. And that's frustrating yeah. to makers. And, you know, as it was, they kneecapped the free maker license anyways. To have mm-hmm. options other than FreeCAD for open source CAD would be amazing because FreeCAD is for masochists. If you've ever tried it, I, it is the only live stream I have ever done where I wanted to learn something and I just would used to do live streams for it where I not yeah. only rage quit the live stream, I deleted the video, <laughs> like just straight up deleted the video because oh, wow. I, it was just dude, like pulling teeth. I I'd go get teeth pulled. I've never had a tooth pulled. I'd go get teeth pulled. Then, then use free cat again. And I know free cat is getting better, but mm-hmm. it is like not even close to what people are used to. I would love to see a more open source version. Like, okay, yes, Onshape exists, but Onshape, if you don't pay for it, all of your models are public. Yeah. Kind of a problem. You've got, you know, some of the other, you know, you could use Tinkercad, but it's pretty much useless. Um, SolidWorks, the maker license is 100. Huh? Well, 3D, 3D Print Bunny uses Tinkercad, and the model she's creating are really, really impressive. So That's fair. Maybe because I just don't know how the hell to use Tinkercad all that well. So it, 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 it's honestly about the person, right? You know, and what mm-hmm. they're able to do with it. Um, I, I just wish we had, because Tinkercad, of course, is still Autodesk. Um, yeah. I just wish we had better open source and heavily supported um you know cad packages i just remember when autodesk dumped some of their features free cad tweeted hello former fusion users i'm like okay all right i'm 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 here for that kind of shade um i like that yeah you know cuz they 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 know their market they know that they're the second fiddle to to fusion and they're working on it right um and courtney said the hero me is all made in Tinkercad, right? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, so we actually recently interviewed Andy from uh, Hero Me, and it is all in Tinkercad. Hmm. So apparently okay. Joseph said it took him six months to transition from Fusion to FreeCAD. I tried wow. once, man, and it scared the hell out of me. I ain't doing it again. <laughs> um, I mean, one of the things I am concerned, because I've mentioned previously, I use 123D Design, and that hasn't been supported for years. But... um. For me, it was so easy to pick up. It just seemed like a very natural graphical interface. It is. And it and it just seemed very natural in the way I actually learned it. it, it I just much preferred it. The Fusion, um, SolidWorks, Tinkercad, and it, it just seems so much nice. My, my worry is it's only a matter of time before I won't be able to use it anymore. So I'll end up with a Windows update and that's it. You know, I, I can completely forget about 123D design, which will be a massive shock because I do think it's probably the, the best. It's the easiest, I think, um, modeling software to actually learn. And it's such a shame Autodesk stopped, you know, stopped supporting it because it, it was really, really good. I didn't realize that you could still use it. I used to use it back in the day too. And uh, now I, I transitioned a few. Well, okay. We used one, two, three D. Then we went to on shape. Then on shape said, Oh, you're not paying us. Yeah. None of your models are, are, are private anymore. Okay. And then we went to fusion and that's where we've been ever since. Cause like yeah. as a small business or even a small company or even an individual, 
you don't want to spend a ton of money to 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 build a cat you know to use a cad package and yeah. when you look at something like solidworks that's like four grand a year it's way too expensive if mm. all you're doing is making fun projects like the printer mates mm. 500 for fusion fine like fine um, yeah but that's still a lot of money uh-huh i mean really when you're a hobbyist you don't want to be paying that sort of money just to you know i kind of like the way okay so unreal engine if you download their software they've got a really neat way of dealing with it so i, I believe the way it works unreal engine is if your game makes over a million you pay us 10 and that's it it's for everyone else it's completely free but if your game makes over a million dollars you and he just goes straight back to us. And I think that's an incredibly fair and decent way of dealing with it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I can't imagine there's going to be many designers out there who are actually going to make over a million pounds with a designer or something. But, you know, maybe something along the lines of, you know, if you do have a company that makes over a million, then yeah, you, you pay, say, £10,000 subscription or something like that. I, I, just I like that. that. Like, yeah, but I do, it's a tier that. system. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's a, especially when it comes to hobbyists, when all they want to do, they just want to use the software to actually just one practice. That. I mean, you look at it from this perspective as well. You're going to be practicing your craft, your craft. You're going to be learning the software. And let's be honest, a lot of people will want to be doing it professionally as well. So they, they go to a company and they start using it there. That company will then actually start making even more money. Yeah, so uh, I, I do think charging, you know, for instance, I mean, I thought Fusion 360 was still actually free. Am I wrong in that? Or? It is free for non-commercial use, and you only get 10 active projects at a time. Yeah. So, it, it yeah, can you use it? Yeah, okay. Autodesk, there's really no way for them to know if you're using it for commercial or not. So, th yeah. in, in that respect, it is very much an honor system. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I have, I have a paid license and I have an education license. So when we're doing stuff for YouTube, I use the education license when I'm doing stuff for clients, I use the paid license. Um, and I don't get me wrong. 500 a year is not bad, but it's over a dollar a day for a program that I might use twice a month personally, right? The staff use mm -hmm. it way more than I do. I'm not an engineer. But I still need the program to yeah. run my business. Um, now, mind you, it's one of the cheaper subscription softwares that I pay for every year. Artec being one of the more expensive at $1,200 a year. Oh, wow. Okay. For a 3D scanning software. Um, you know, but it works and it works damn well. And they update it often. So all of that stuff makes sense to me. Um uh, but it is difficult to look at that and say, okay, Fusion 360 is losing features every time they update it. Why do I want to pay for this again? Hmm. Um, yeah, it's, and it's also a little bit depressing when you find yourself, when they start restricting like the file types you can actually export and things like that. that that's when you sort of, they like, did it really... cut that. Uh, they, 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 they're not doing that anymore on the consumer side. Okay, that's good. Well, all of us got mad at them 
right? I was not a YouTuber back then, I don't think. If I was, I would have made a video yelling at them. Maybe I did. I don't remember. Uh, but I, I remember Tom specifically being one that yelled at them, right? And said, you know, this is ridiculous. If you want people to go to another platform, go ahead and keep this. But if you want them to stay, you need to remove this. Like they remove the ability to export a step file. Like, are you serious? Well, yeah, that's you know, quite only, only professionals need step files. Go to hell. Everybody needs step files. <laughs> and now that Prusa Slicer, which of course they ported from Bamboo, yeah. which is pretty cool, is able to import step files. Oh my God, my life is so much easier. Like, uh, seriously, from a business standpoint, I'd have to mm -hmm. upload the thing into Fusion, download it as an STL, then put it into mm -hmm. into Prusa. I mean, he's, uh, I'm kind of, I mean, for me, it's always been a case of you upload all the STL files. Whenever I share a model, you upload all the STL files. And on top of that, I always try and make it as easy as possible as well. So right. the STL file names will normally say if supports are required or if there's a color change you need to actually set some fuchsia slicer that sort of thing but now i i'm now need to set well i do upload the st the, the step files as well and you can upload the 3mf file of the color changes and all that happening as well where you need them yeah i don't think i can i think i get 3mf files from 123d design but the colors aren't always right so uh, I've had a problem with that in the past. So mm. step files definitely, you know, I can certainly upload. But uh, it's all like, geez, it's something else to upload now. <laughs> you know, I think if somebody requests, for what you do, a lot of people just want to print it and install it. If somebody mm. wants to modify it, say step files are available upon request. And if you get more than 10 people asking, you've already downloaded the step files. Just upload them and then change it to now including step files, right? Um, some people might want it. Some people might not. Um, mm. but I understand like people's trepidation of putting up step mm. files because it makes it very easy for me to steal your work, change it mm. and make it mine. And that's not really what the culture is about in my opinion. Right. Yes. I mean, remixing is a, is a deal, but yeah, you got to credit. I mean, it's, I mean, I love featuring a value with, um... Slice, I think. And I also love the fact that they're very, very eager to make sure they give credit where credit's due. You know, that I really, really like. The, I mean, you, you, you mentioned something just um, quite interesting just now, which was actually going to lead us to a conversation I was hoping we could have. And you was talking about, you know, um, um, theft, being able to take a model, you know, you can kind of modify it and make it, you know. But she was hoping, I was hoping it was going to lead us to a conversation on Creality Cloud. Oh, yeah, we can talk about that all day. Yeah. So, I've done I like mean, four um, videos on it. We talked with, with, with Shane from Big Orange. Um, yeah. You know, I, I they still haven't fixed it. It's still bad. And I think a lot of us have just kind of given up because what it did is it made them more popular. Yes and no. Uh, so they're better that they have. Okay, so you might remember when I did the tweet about um, talking about how uh, their, their import tool from Thingiverse has no security features in it. Yep. And um, I wouldn't say I complained about it, but you know I pointed out and said that this is one of the reasons why they have such a problem. And they did 
respond and say, okay, we are going to fix that. We're going to apply a security feature on it. So, and they did. Um, so now if you go onto the Creality Cloud and you want to do an import from Thingiverse, unless it's your own profile, you're not able to. So in that sense, that's good. But it also felt like a hollow victory. It was a victory, but it was a very hollow victory because it is the bare minimum that they could do. And they did, as soon as they fixed it, a couple of hours later, they released another tweet basically stating, this is how you report models on our website. Again, completely shirting the responsibility. I mean, it's like, uh, and I was a little bit annoyed because it's like, look, I just praised you guys for doing that fix on the, um, you know, the thingy first import tool. And you now do this and it's sort of like, you know, you've got to take responsibility. All they needed was just one extra employee just to overview all uploads. That's it. And one, maybe two employees, you know, so you're talking about you know, however much the actual wages. The problem is they've set themselves up to fail. Yep. The reason for that is because they've mixed it. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, a real sexy cyborg, she made it very, very clear. The reason they're doing it is they want to do a very quick sale for the whole of creativity. You know, they want to sell it and become millions overnight and et cetera, et cetera. So the, the thing is, oh, you know, whether that's true or not, we don't actually know. But yeah. So it, the thing is, their slicing, their, their marketplace is a slicing software. And they're actively encouraged to share all models within the marketplace. If you don't, you're going to get charged for it. Right. So, and they've got like a little tier system. So if you want to keep your models private, that you upload so you can use the slicing software, you have to, you get a certain free allowance, which is only a very small allowance. And then after that, you need to pay for additional storage. If you don't pay, it's uploaded for free. Mm -hmm. uh, onto this marketplace so everyone has visibility. The issues arise is, let's say, for instance, just to use the slicing software, you've paid for a 3D model or you're somebody's patron, and so it's a paid model, and then you share it onto the marketplace. You have now shared a private model, which was for your own personal private use, and you shouldn't have, Yep. Um, which is, again, a massive issue. So, and those will have their own CC licenses or Creative Commons licenses and et cetera. Uh, the, the issue you will find, or they're going to find, is one, let's say, for instance, I want to 3D print a bench sheet. So I mm -hmm. upload it onto the marketplace and then I'll put it into the slicing software. Now, if you go to Creative Cloud right now, you'll probably find there's about 20 benches uploaded on their marketplace. Yeah. So it's very quickly going to be filled up with the same crap over and over again. So if it comes to, let's say, for instance, I wanted to use the marketplace and find a specific model, if I've got to search through the same 20 models over and over again to get to the one I actually want, yep. I'm going to be quite annoyed, and it's not going to be the place I actually use. So in the long term, that's a dreadful solution, that actually, or it's a dreadful system they've created, because it's like you're not going to have the repeat custom. You know, a lot of people are going to be using it maybe a few times and it's going to start, they might go back to Thingiverse because they were, or, you know, my mini factory or preacher slicer, et cetera. There's so many better options. The thing, all they've done is just in the short term, it's just 
created this alcove or area of so many different models and STL files, just so they can turn around and say, oh yeah, there's 100,000 models on there. What they're not gonna tell you is, is it, yeah, about half of them are benchies. Like, they're, yeah. they're just in the short term solution, just turn around and said, you know, so we've increased our value by so many millions of pounds. When the truth is in the long term, that's gonna dwindle very, very quickly. Yeah, I, I think it was identified that by default, sharing was on. So anytime yeah. that you sent a file to print via Creality Cloud, it auto-uploaded to the site. Um, yeah. Which was funny to see all the people that were printing not safe for work things that mm -hmm. are not body safe, that were printing something that is supposed to be an internal use. Anyways, that was just funny for me to see. I'm like, oh, yeah, you that, yeah, that's going to suck when you get plastic toxicity. But fine, whatever. Mm -hmm. You do you do dumb shit. Um, and when they were called out about it, they added the ability to turn that off. But it is auto on, even if yeah. you set it off every single time you send a file you must click no i do not want it to be shared and that's the problem so i think a lot of what occurred was involuntary right people did not know that they were doing it but the ones that were clearly being sold for money they knew mm -hmm. what they were doing and yeah. they didn't care um but I, I i do have to agree with naomi a little bit in that this did seem like um uh, a shitty play for them to try to buff yeah. their portfolio. But with how often they're making printers, honestly, why? Right. It's like, mm. do what you do marginally okay at, which is make cheap ass 3d printers that are hopefully not fire hazards. Don't mm. play Don't play in a game where, you know, you're going up against Titans and you're mm. not able to even get close to competing. Um, you know, cause I, we're, I think Wednesday's video will be this, but um, we have a video coming up soon about what questions to ask somebody that wants a 3D printer, right? So hmm. I'm sure you get it. I know we get it. I know a lot of other content creators get it. Hey, I want to get my first printer. What should I get? Hmm. And a lot of us can say, get a Prusa. Well, that's too expensive. Well, okay. Why don't you give me some more information about what you want? And then we'll hmm. talk about it. Right. I had someone say, oh, I only have a budget of like 300 pounds. I said, save, save your money. Do you like to? I, I, I have adopted the response. Get a Prusa Mini. I agree. That's what I tell people. But if they don't have the budget, it's like, well, what do you tell people without the budget? I say, OK, you've got options. Your option is either a wait two, mm -hmm. wait and outsource three, buy a cheaper printer and understand that you're going to be putting a bunch of time and money into it. Now, I will say the Elegoo Neptune 3 is on my list of printers that I want to look at because it has a lot of the features that I would look for. One of the big ones being auto bed leveling. Yeah. I will not buy a printer that does not have auto bed leveling. I just, I will not spend my money on something that does not have it. Now, if it gets sent to me for a YouTube review, that's different. But I will not spend my money on a printer without auto bed leveling because auto bed leveling is required if you don't want to hate yourself, in my <laughs> opinion. I recognize some people have amazing experiences with manually leveled beds. Mm -hmm. I don't. I was manually leveled. I've been in this industry for 14 years. Mm -hmm. 
back when you manually leveled your bed and you were happy that you had a bed to print on. Okay. Um, yeah. And I, I just don't get why people are so focused on the money when they really should be more focused on how much of my time am I going to spend making this a printer that I like to use versus how much money am I going to spend to have a good printer from the beginning? Yeah, it's, I had a Creality CR10 and it's by far one of the worst printers I've ever actually owned. Um, the, the bed wasn't, the bed was warped. Um, trying to get the first layer on it is just a nightmare. Uh, in the end, uh, so in the end, I actually did, I took it to my work and we used it as the FDM printer in my workplace because I, I didn't want it in my home. I hated it. The uh, motherboard blew three times. The, the motherboard had to be replaced three times. Quality. And Oh, it was dreadful. And then on the last time we was looking at it and we could see that uh, a number of the wire connectors, it looked like they'd been on fire or were very, very close to it. And we were like, do you know what? Let's just get... And I stripped it for parts at that point. So it was just... But leveling the bed, again, A4 sheets of paper in all the corners, and it is just an atrocious experience. And I put in far more, much more time in there than I, you know, should have ever been willing to. It's... But... Again, it's what actually got Creality on the map was the CR10, but it was just a dreadful machine. I've got a, v, a CR10 V3 clone. Um, I need to rewire it because uh, definitely didn't have a rodent in the garage that ate the bed wiring. But let's be real. It was doing me a favor because the ends yeah. of those wires were, so were, were soldered and then they were in those um, those, those screw terminals, so it was going to catch fire anyways. It was doing me a favor. Yeah. Um, that'll be an upcoming video at some point, too. Uh, <laughs> how to rewire the bed on your 3D printer for no other reason than I just have to do it. And I will, I'll, film, I'll film a video for it. But, like, it doesn't have auto bed leveling. I'm going to buy a bed probe for it. Now, yeah. I got that printer for $185. An Amazon Prime deal. $185, I will buy a CR10 V3 size, right? 300 by 300 mm. by 400. And I will put an auto bed leveling kit on it. Or um, NH3D Canada is saying that they think the term auto bed leveling is misleading. They think bed tramming is more accurate. It is. Technically, it would be skew compensation is what we're dealing with. Because we're not tramming or leveling the bed. You're adjusting your z-axis in certain points so you're you're dealing with skew uh skew uh correction basically yeah um but like i'm only doing that because i know i'm gonna put like 200 dollars worth of parts in my time into it and it's gonna mm. be a big printer that i'm gonna put a v6 on because i've got a bunch of v6s laying around i'm yeah. gonna put a th3d auto bed leveling kit on it because Tim already said he would send me one for it. I just got to let him know when I do the video, um, mm -hmm. you know, and I get to teach people how to do that stuff. So there's like a triple win for me in that regard. Then I get a big printer that uses PID Snapmaker <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that should be reasonably reliable. The yeah. big thing for me about the CR10 size, they don't fit anywhere. They're so damn big. 
I don't want a bed slinger that big. I want a core XY with a bed that goes down or, or an XY gantry that goes up. I don't want a bed yeah. slinger or a Cartesian style with a, a 300 millimeter bed. It's too big. It's, I mean, if you look at it from this perspective as well, I mean, your person's been in this industry for a good number of years now, and you know what you're doing. So you could take a CO, make all the additions to it, all of additions onto it to work. Whereas as a first printer, you know, this is probably the worst printer you could actually recommend. Yep. Yep. I... You know, and it's tough because it, I might title the video why the Ender 3 is a bad first printer. And we're going to catch mm -hmm. a lot of hate for that because there are a lot of people that have had phenomenal experiences. The yeah. thing is, they've forgotten all the time they put into making it work. They've forgotten all the time that they've asked, you know, Facebook groups, Reddit groups on discords and others have helped them. They've forgotten, um, you know, all the all the little things that they do. That I just, like, you know what I do for my Prusas? I grab the bottle of Windex. I do mm -hmm. two spritzes on the bed. I wipe it off with a paper towel. As long as the right filament's in, I click print. And I walk away. I don't even watch the first layer anymore. I, I just I get shit done. Watch first... What? It's one of my old habits that I still have when it comes to my Prusas is I still use purple glue stick. And I, I probably get a lot of hate, but it's just it's always works you know it, a point of view where it makes the part don't need so fix it if it's not broken it makes the part huh? so sticky no, though no not at all you just give them a quick wipe and they're fine it's it, it, it works and i'm, I'm not going to complain about it so i and that's fair right i mm. almost always will just take a little bit of um alcohol and some mm -hmm. 4,000 grit sandpaper and just lightly buff my build plates before I use them to give them more service area. It's not required, yeah. but I just do it. I'm being called out in the comments by Pez Liz. She says, says the man with giant speakers. Liz, there is a difference between a business and a passion. So stop that shit. <laughs> that is not the attitude that, that, that we do here. I did get some giant speakers. Um, they are five feet tall by three feet wide and they are electrostatic and I am very, very excited to set them up. There's gonna be a lot of videos on oh. audio on this channel coming very soon. So if people like 3d printing and they like audio stuff, they're going to, they're going to be a lot of fun coming soon. Um, oh, um, what reason have you got the speakers? Is it, um, what you're going to set them up with? Uh, amps or what, what do you mean by setup? I mean, uh, so what is it? You're going to set it up with your television, so it's a home surround system, or you're going to set it up with your computer for sound quality. I mean, dedicated two-channel listening room. Like okay. it, it's going to be, it's going to be in a dedicated room. Planned videos already are 3D printing for sound deadening panels, um, 3D printing to raise the speakers up some more. So we're going to build uh, risers for the speakers. Um, okay. We're going to test, we're going to just do audio tests of dead-end versus non-dead-end. Uh, we're going to look at using uh, 3D printed spikes as a means to remove standing waves. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that are planned. And if you like audio, you're going to love it. If you don't like audio, well, those videos may not be for you. Um, but yeah, it's 
it, it the speakers are huge. They are Acoustat the Monitor Fours for anyone that wants to mm-hmm. look them up. They're huge. Uh, they're five feet tall and they're three feet wide, and most okay. of that is speaker. Um, uh, Madcat USA is the interesting project. It is, yeah, and they're running on mm-hmm. massive amplifiers, big adcom mono block monsters. Um, mm-hmm. You know, amps that weigh fifty five pounds, and there's one amp per speaker level of amps because um, I don't mess around. Um, Madcat USA is saying dealing with all the issues with my enders has made me a better printer. I can diagnose and fix my issues now myself instead of freaking out if something happens. That is the one tip that I like about the enders because they break so damn often you learn. It's why I say enders make great second printers when you have something that's reliable. Uh, Absolutely. Go get yourself an ender three V two. Once you have a Prusa and have fun with it and you know do all the upgrades potentially brick a motherboard go put a big tree tech skr board into it right have the fun when you're not like needing this thing to work because you already have something that's reliable then it's different it's not a frustration because the last thing that we want for newbies is to have frustration that's why you build your printer mates the way that you do you do it so you don't need an mmu so everything fits together it's a little bit of glue and you're done and all of that makes for a better scenario overall Mm. um with the end of like v2 and the end of v3 i really don't have much negativity towards them i mean i know a lot of people have actually had very positive experiences with those printers so and you know i'm i'm not gonna dissuade people i mean if people do want to get those printers then you know i'm gonna say yeah go for it because you know they're not that bad i mean it, especially when you compare it to like when there's so many different other it could be worse it could be worse models. yeah precisely but that there is a part of me that thinks you are going to be spending some time to get it to work right if it isn't working right absolutely and big thanks to filament stories for the 20 dollars super chats she said giant speakers videos please also the east coast rep rep fund for grant i appreciate it um mad cat usa say nothing wrong with big speakers unless you're compensating for something i am compensating for a small room that they are going in and i am very sad about how small that room is but it's gonna work it won't sound to me it it could sound better fine um, i really thought i was gonna leave somewhere somewhere else for a moment there so <laughs> oh i know that's I, I, yeah. in the video i think i might say i'm and co- you know some people might say that i'm compensating i am compensating i do have a very small room it is a very small room that these are in. Yeah, they, they should be quite a bit further apart. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, they, they, they look bigger because it's in a smaller room. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, I am. I am not about a thinly veiled dick joke on this channel. I'd make them all the time. <laughs> I am not against it. Um, but yeah, it it is. I like Enders, but I don't mm. like them for first timers. I, I think that they they hold a very, very needed value in this industry. Mm. But I don't like how they've become the de facto this is your this is your first printer, right? Mm. Um Pez Liz with the ten dollar Canadian super chat says harassment tax and the East Coast rep rap 
fund for a month. I it because it, it it's 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 in a month. So thank you, Liz. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it's it is um, it's a thing, right? Do you you don't have an endermate, do you? No, I don't. Uh, the the so like the end of it. I mean, I have considered doing it. Uh, the reason why I haven't done one, I think, is because I'm kind of, un- I've been unhappy with Creality in the past. So, for instance, CR10, um, you know, for instance, with the Creality Cloud. Uh, yeah. For me, it doesn't seem right creating like a Creality Mate because it's like, I, I don't really want to create any advertising for, especially with the way Creality Cloud is at the moment. You That's know, totally fair. Me, yeah, it, it, for me, it's contradiction in terms. It's, you know. I I feel that, right? And to the point of, I don't show the Creality printers on the channel anymore. And I've bought my Creality printers. I don't have a working relationship with Creality. I bought my Creality printers. Um, and at this point, I would not take a working relationship with Creality. Quite frankly, yeah. the reason I wouldn't say don't to do a Prusimate or a, uh, a printer mate for, for the Ender 3 is because by the time you're done designing it, they've already released three new iterations of it. <laughs> that's very true, yeah. And that's not to say it takes you a long time. They just release a damn printer every friggin' week. <laughs> and that is ridiculous. Um, you know, so, and I've, I've talked about it. I reviewed the Ender 3 V2 that I bought for 185 or 165 US dollars, right? And at yeah. that price point, they're punching way above their price class. There are some yeah. things that I wish were different, but from a hobbyist standpoint, if you don't value your time, they're great machines. If you value your time, go buy a Prusa. Um, yeah. Film and Story said, Neil, some of us have been lobbying for Grant to make it to Earth. I don't know if we've succeeded yet. I hope we have. Uh, yes, I am going to Earth. And I am hoping that I get a really, really cool piece of technology before we can go because, man, that would be so much better. I'm bringing one of my high-end scanners to oh, Earth, okay. wow. and we're going to scan people at Earth. Um, so we have an Artec Eva that we're going to take with us. Uh, and that's Are gonna you be... going to be doing like 3D prints of them later? or I'm going to give people the data. So um, okay. anybody that I know like personally, like people that are you know commenting on the channel and all that that are there, I'm not going to bill them a dime. I'm going to do the scans. We're going to film them, right? So we're going to turn it into content. uh, And then I will send the STLs when I get home. Um, And that's just, you know, hey, thanks for being on the channel. Thanks for supporting us. Here's a scan from a $20,000 3D scanner. Enjoy. Uh, There's a point. Um, What's the latest with the, uh, is it Artec and Creality? What's the latest with the? Let let me find out. Um, Give me just a second. I, I always have that tab open. Because I, I want to follow it heavily. Uh, let's see. Uh, more. Okay. The last time. Uh, last thing that we have is a motion for judgment for Kickstarter. Kickstarter wants out of this lawsuit bad. And uh, it looks like they are trying to do that but there's been a lot of extensions filed so uh last real update is an order of motion for extension of time to file um so i will actually throw that in the chat so people can see it if that's their thing 
Um, but that is the link that I use constantly. All right. So it's just ongoing then. So. Yeah, it um, it's still ongoing. I do not expect this to be something that is over very soon. Uh, mm -hmm. And hilariously, I actually visited Artec's one U.S. location. It was right. In right where it was right where I was in California. Uh, mm -hmm. And I said, I want to buy this cable. They sell a cable that I needed, a battery cable to go from the battery, the $800 battery to the $20,000 scanner. It normally right. comes with the battery, but I bought my scanner secondhand and it did not have that cable in the box. Mm -hmm. The cable they charge $30 for. They also then charge you $30 to ship it. And I am not paying $30 to ship a $30 cable. That is insane. Mm -hmm. So instead, I flew across the country to do a job for a client and I picked up the cable while I was there and I got uh -huh. recognized by half of the people that were in there. Apparently <laughs> they watch my channel and I'm a little bit worried. I said, good or bad. They said, no, you're, you're good. I'm like, so then why do you troll me about not being good? Because they, you need to, you need to learn the scanners more. I said, okay, then train me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I didn't buy through a reseller. I bought it secondhand. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that means I have you know, all the only training that I have is just from my experiences using them for years. Mm. Um, so, yeah. That kind of reminds me, there's a project I've been working on with a couple of friends of mine. Um, so um, we've been, basically we want, we want to create a 3D printed watch. And yes. Um, so um, it's, I'm doing it with two friends as well. So I'm actually out of the previous, I'm the designer, I'm the one that's designed it. Uh, a friend of mine, he owns a watch repair shop in Doncaster. Uh, we always tease him about going dogging and Doncaster, that sort of thing. And yeah. um, my other friend, he's the guy who's kind of put it together. He's also like the ideas, branded, that sort of thing. You know, and he also asks loads and loads of questions because he's got a amazing talent for not understanding anything about 3D printing or design or about watch repairs. So it, he's got no idea about, but he's learning with us all. So uh, the, um, the watch case is actually, and it's all going to be 3D printed in metal. So we're actually doing it, well, I believe we're going to be doing it with materialized. But the case is going to be in stainless steel. Dial is going to be 3D printed in a material called Inconel. You're going to and... make a dial in Inconel. Yeah. For those We've that don't know, Inconel is one of the hardest metals on the planet. And mm -hmm. you can make it harder by hitting it. It's kinky like that. Inconel mm -hmm. is used in rocket engines. That's about the only place that Inconel is actually like legitimately used for its purposes is rocket engines and neil i don't know if you know this about me but i am a uh amateur horologist all right um you can have to explain what that is. it is, is not the study of, of 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 uh individuals of of a different sex it is yeah. <laughs> clock clockmaker. hold on i'm gra i'm grabbing one i'm grabbing one of my favorites this is my 1950s ansonia crystal regulator um, mm -hmm. It needs to be rebuilt. It was shipped to me from a former employer and it was absolutely destroyed and I just have not had time to uh, to do it. But this thing is all brass and glass. It mm -hmm. it has a radium dial. So it glows. Okay. Uh, radioactive, cool. um, but it's leaded glass. So you're protected. Just, you know, don't open the door to the clock and hold your mouth open and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, that thing weighs like 
two kilos or so. Yeah, about about two, two and a half oh, kilos. Wow. Yeah, it's solid brass and glass. I mean, the whole, and it's all mechanical. You have to wind it. Um, mm-hmm. I love that kind of stuff. So a 3D printed watch, I would rock the ever loving hell out of that. Um, well, in the, fact, the, the... I have on. access to titanium printers. So should you decide you want any of it made out of titanium, I'll hook you up. I think I have to follow that up, I think. Yeah. And so, so, uh, of that, the, so seeing as you know a fair amount about clocks and watches and things, the movement is going to be a six, four, nine, seven movements as well. Oh. So quite a high end movement. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's really, so we've just gone to materialize with parts. Uh, we've already done a test print as well. So that's literally just the shell of the case. Uh, I've now come back with a design or sort of like added features on the actual case with additional design, you know, to really sort of like sexy up, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've now gone back to materialize, said, all right, give us the quote and then we'll go forward with it. So that is actually quite an exciting time. And the, the, the prototype is, well, oh, on top of that, my friend who's the watch repair, who owns the watch repair shop, he's going to order some like, um, professional watch luminous paint and there's going to be some little painted features on the actual inconel dial as well and yeah it's I, i'm really really excited to actually get the prototype in my hands it will be a couple of months yet to, until i get it but oh, i'm really I, really looking forward to it please keep me updated on that um, yeah will do. it's well i can show you some draft images once we're actually done with this so but I think you'd appreciate it. Well, you know, hilariously, before I started using that cheap Ikea clock back there, uh, mm-hmm. the clock that we used for our time lapses to show time passing was from the mid-50s, and it was a wind-up bedside alarm clock. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, called it, it was, it's a baby Ben. Um, <laughs> yes, like Big Ben, but baby Ben. Uh, it's yeah. called a baby Ben, and that's what I used. It wasn't very accurate in terms of time, but it doesn't matter, right? It lost about yeah. 10 seconds a day, which for movements that old that you really can't service, it's pretty much expected. There's backlash and stuff in it, but those are all fully mechanical. I like the mechanical portion yeah. of it. It's, it's engineering pornography, right? <laughs> um, so to know that you you don't just make badass, adorable printer mates, you also are looking to do watches I'm down because my smartwatch, a Fossil Gen 3, is now boot looping. It does not oh. have it does not have enough battery to get itself to boot. So it tries to boot, the battery dies, and it starts the whole damn process over again. So you didn't try and jailbreak or anything. It's just because no. the battery's dead. Because the battery died. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yep. So I, I isn't that I, under warranty or anything? No, so I'm not salty at all. No, I would never be salty about something like that. Um, I'm very salty about that. <laughs> uh, and I'm very upset because that shouldn't happen, right? It, it, it just yeah. shouldn't happen. So I think I want to go to something a little bit less smart and something quite a bit cooler. Um, yeah. You know, when I can say the entire damn watch is 3D printed, done. Mm-hmm. 100% done. Well, the watch case and will be free metal. Printed. The dial will be free And, I mean, even movement. further, um, the metal place that I have access to, we're going to do a video series on how to run a titanium metal laser 
3D printer. So that we could do that in conjunction okay. with making the parts. That would be a really cool like collaboration video series. So we'll talk off stream about it. Yeah, de definitely. Very cool. So I'm still interested in this, Neil. <laughs> I don't know how long I've been talking to myself. Neil might not be here. Um, oh, wait, wait. I think I got him. You there? Yeah, I'm here. I don't have audio for Hello? you, buddy. Um, oh. Apparent Mad Cat USA says, I remember Baby Ben Clocks. My grand my uh, my grandfather had one. They say Apple Watch. Eh, not an Apple Watch fan. I can see you moving, Neil. You got audio? Yeah, can you hear me? No audio, buddy. Oh. Unless, uh, wait a minute. Oh, yep. Okay, got you now. We're good. Okay, you can hear me. Okay, apparently everyone else could hear Neil, but I couldn't. So, I, <laughs> go figure. Okay, well, Grant's going crazy, I guess. Um, well, thanks for muting me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I muted I think I accidentally hit the mute button on my keyboard, but it won't mute you to the stream. It just mutes you to my headphones. So they can hear you, and I sound like an idiot. So that that's, I mean, that's normal. I always sound like an idiot. Well, for the last two minutes, all your audience would have heard is, you know, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, we, we should definitely collaborate and try to print some of those in titanium because Inconel is cool, but it's a little excessive <laughs> for a watch dial. Well, the reason for the Inconel is it's one of the few materials that we could actually print in such a small dimension. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, the, the thickness of the dial i believe it's 0 0.8 mil so it's not even one mil i mean this is really really thin so and on top of that we've got canal in canal it's a very strong material it so is. even though it's actually an only a few layers it's very strong and sturdy so it, it you know when we did the test print you know it just seemed like a really good material to actually use so i mean i know it's used in like aircraft engines and, and things like that yeah it's but, pretty much exclusively used in aerospace i know yeah two people that have ever printed with it right mm -hmm. uh one of them is sj uh they are at in canal on twitter yeah. i-n-c-o-n-e-l-l-e in canal and mm -hmm. uh they are one of the masters of in canal 3d printing in the world i've been trying oh, to get wow. sj on the podcast but sj's been going through different jobs and all that they're currently with velo 3d which does a lot of in canal okay but yeah that, that i'd rock the hell out of it just saying would rock the ever-loving hell out of it well uh, i'll show you like um draft images uh, or sort of cad images of the actual watch and i'll also show you pictures of the first prototype we've got as well so, was it the one that I saw on your Instagram from a while back that was MJF printed? Possibly. That might have been the first prototype, yeah. Okay. Although the next one's going to look very different compared to that. That one was just to literally make sure all the parts fit together. So Makes sense. And that, that's the beauty of 3D printing. You can start with a lesser material be able to prototype mm. it for relatively affordably. And then you can go up to the higher end stuff when you really want to show off. Um, well, cool, man. Is there anything else that you want to discuss or do you want to call it here? So we, um, we've been going for over two hours. Going 
Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, we could, I think we just call it here. I mean, um, you know. Do you, do you want to give any hints for those that have watched all the way through of what's coming up next? Oh, what, for the the next mod, you mean? Yeah. Uh, you don't be. gotta show anything. You can just tease it. I, I will show something. So that's pistachio green um, from Prusament. Mm -hmm. That's the only clue I'm giving them. So that does not so, help any more than the last clue. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm being purposely vague. The, the reason for that is because I'm very. I've got a very nasty habit of jumping the gun, releasing surprises, or talking about what my plans are for the time in the future. This one, I do genuinely want to be a surprise. And I'm really looking forward to, one, finishing the design, printing it off, getting it applied and sharing it with the world. Because it, it, it's one of those projects that I do find myself looking forward to actually jumping back to it. So, but because of that, I want people to ex kind of experience the excitement that I feel when I'm actually designing it, when I first show it off. So I do genuinely just want it to be a surprise. So, you know, tough, tough titty. I'm not giving away any more clues than that. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. Well, Neil, thank mm. you for hanging out, talking everything from printer mates to audio to watches. This has been awesome. Thank you again for your time, man. Um, mm -hmm. Do you know my outro or no? Sorry? Do you know my so, outro? I don't know. I've got no idea. Okay. What is your I always ask. This has been season three, episode one of the Making Awesome podcast. Stay safe out there. Don't forget to call your loved ones. And as always, keep making awesome. Have a good one.